usually you if you know that someone's only there for a season you do give them that information ahead of time for a lot of reasons but also because it affects what kind of contract they have and how you pay them um on a you know less uh but i don't remember what we did in in terms of those guys you know chris bauer and um i don't remember what we told them they probably do hello i'm dave and i'm kobe and this is the wire stripped the show where we watch hbo's the wire every week yeah and you don't just hear from us you hear from a lot of the cast some of the crew some super fans and we also hear from you guys too Today we're watching the finale of season two. It's called yeah. Port in a Storm. Yeah. It's been a good season. It's been a fantastic season. And what were your thoughts generally um, on this rewatch, Dave, from the first time you watched season two? I think it's... I mean, season two, when you first watch it, is a little bit jarring, yeah. uh, I think. Um, but, we, you know, with without that sort of context going into it this time, I was just able to fully appreciate it. And it's amazing. This it is, is an amazing piece of work. Absolutely and fantastic. Frank Sabatka's storyline is just outstanding and it also I, I think it's excellent and it opens up the rest of what happens which uh, season three and season four couldn't have happened in the same way without season two happening so i think it's it's super it's amazing yeah uh, what do you guys think let us know uh, we are at the wire stripped on facebook and twitter and instagram or you can email us burner at the yeah we love getting your emails and messages so please do get in contact with us we'll be on instagram a fair bit well all the social media channels but I think I am dilly-dallying now. About time to head to our chat, which we recorded by a canal in central London. <laughs> he got the fire and the fury at his command. Well, you don't have to worry when you hold on to Jesus' hand. We'll all be safe from Satan. When the thunder rolls, you gotta keep the devil wet down in the hole. Okay, guys, we're here back for the last episode in season two, episode 12, Port in the Storm. Yeah, and we're back on the canal. Back on the canal, yeah, looking over the dredging. It's still going on. <laughs> so much dredging. <laughs> Frank would have made it. Frank, no, let's face it, he would have, he would have messed this up. He would have, uh, yeah, he would, he would never got to this stage if Frank hadn't yeah. died. <laughs> um, well, that's how this episode starts, isn't it? It is. Good segue. <laughs> um, yeah, sad, isn't it? Yeah. So sad. This is, and this is uh, beautifully done, the beginning of this. Yeah. Um, we have Nick looking around for, for Frank. Um, oh. Just There's so much silence here in this yeah. open, cold open. Um, but uh, yeah, we, uh, we just sort of, you know, you hear a little bit of radio and it's like they're going around. For, this is a normal morning for the stevedores. And then we see Digsy's found something in the water and we kind of, you know, you're putting the pieces together and, and, it, and it all culminates with that, like, real haunting shot. Of the, that There's like a crane shot pulling away of... Um, all the stevedores gathered around Frank's body, and it's yeah. almost like they're at a at a funeral, yeah. isn't it? The way that, true, the way actually. it's put together. That's true, actually, because the I mean, the only funeral we've seen so far was was D'Angelo's, yeah. And it's a similar kind of thing. People gathered around this 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 body on the floor. 
They're certainly uh, they're positioned that way. Yeah. Um, they're you know they've got their their hard hats off yeah. as you would take it like a. That's really cool. Actually, I never thought to be that one, that way. It was a it was a lovely image, and yeah. I, I know I will say quick note on the uh, Bob Colesbury yeah. directed this episode. Um, beautifully so. Yeah. I thought did an amazing job. So he's one of the main producers for the, for the show. Yeah, and yeah, he's a he's one of the people who was responsible for the wire, the wire. coming together. Yeah, and uh, tragically died not long after this. Yeah, it was and his first and first and last ever directorial role. During season three, he he passes away. We'll talk about that more in season three. Um, but this is, I mean, when they pull back the, the the tarpaulin and you see Frank's face and the and the and the throat slits, and then you hear later about how he did fight. You know, he's got loads of defense wounds. He he protected himself. An interesting thing, you know, we talked about this a, time, a few times before, but it's interesting how there's very little graphic violence in in the show. But when you do see it, it may, you know, it impacts you. So like D'Angelo dying was one of the few times we saw it. Yeah. Uh, Wallace getting shot, but we didn't see like Brandon getting um, killed in the way he did. Um, so I'm glad we didn't see Frank, but the the haunting aftermath is still, you know, his eyes with the with the throat slit is 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 horrible. It's re- it's deeply upsetting. But I I I agree with you when they when they said that line. I I kind of just like I thought yeah, go on, yeah, son. even even in like his dying moments. <laughs> Frank was fighting, yeah. you know, and he was a fighter the whole time. He never, ever gave up in the union. He never gave up. Even in, the, in his final moments, he was trying to get a better deal for his son. And he was just, it was, he was always fighting a losing battle, yeah. Yeah. basically. And it ended, it ended like this. Um, so RIP Frank Sabaka. Yeah, that's it. It's interesting to me that season two is bookended by floating bodies. This is podcaster Joe Kiley from Scheitgeist. The first shows us how the Greeks' organization treats women. She was killed for refusing the bonds of sex slavery. She stood up against the game, paid with her life, and was jettisoned overboard like spoiled product. Frank Sabotka's fate was much more calculated. His body was discovered in his own dock, throat cut, but with face and hands intact. His body is the final message from the Greek. Any question about your loyalty will get your throat slit. Frank talked to the police. D'Angelo talked. Wallace talked. Gant talked. They violated the rule Weebay lays out in Series 1, Episode 1. And the game does not tolerate an informant. What's the rule? I know the rule. Say it. Don't talk in the car. Or on the phone or in any place that ain't ours and don't say shit to anybody who ain't us. But it was just you, yo. It's your fucking truck. Don't talk in a car. But let's not be fooled into thinking The Wire is just about crime. The Greek is the ultimate businessman, and he does what the Rotterdam robots and crooked developers are certain to do in time. He corrupts and kills the union. Frank's really interesting. Uh, I think there's a, there's a thread that runs through The Wire of people getting away with it, and people who don't necessarily face up. Obviously, there's examples of loads of people going to prison. But by and large, there are a lot of characters who get away with it. And in this season, I'm not so sure that everyone gets away with it. Here's Chris Hewitt from Empire Magazine and the Empire Film Podcast. Frank doesn't get away with it. Siggy doesn't get away with it. And they're put through the ringer to such an extent that it strips away the bravado and the braggadocio. And suddenly you see them for who they are. 
and I think Frank on that long walk, as you say, the last time we really see him, is uh, it's an extraordinary performance. It's incredibly heartbreaking. No, it, it's uh, an incredible performance from him because Frank, I think, honestly, when we meet Frank, I took a while to warm to him. I think uh, Nicky is the, the character that we we connect with most. He's the most likable. He's most relatable out of the, the, the stevedores, out of that family in particular. Siggy is off on his own being a wild card. And you can see elements of Siggy in Frank, but he's world weary. He's been beaten down a little bit, but he thinks he's got everything under control. But he's got he's got his finger over so many little different cracks and water's beginning to see through so many he just can't keep uh, keep a top of it and uh but that abrasiveness is still there and there's there's unpleasantness in frank i think throughout the throughout the season but that obviously does just get stripped away and there's real tragedy there and uh, like i said earlier on about this idea of this very american tradition that is being stripped away and he feels powerless ultimately he is powerless mm. to stop that and we talk about still fighting for the union this is where art could have staked his claim fully if he wanted to take over um, for, for the black stevedores I guess but he's like no I'm going to keep Frank Zabotka he's going to be our he's going to be our secretary for, for the stevedores for the IBS that's a lovely touching, moment wasn't yeah, that really it is. touching it is this is a this was a real like um, uh, oh captain my captain sort of scene <laughs> yeah. wasn't it yeah yeah <laughs> But with a little, a little less of the cheese ball sentimentality, but it was just, it was, it was like so beautifully done. Yeah. One man, one vote. So we see, yeah, Nick, Nick is the last person to see uh, Frank's body, and that kind of sends him spiraling. And we have uh, Lala and Horseface calming him down. Um, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to bust up the, the not the union hall but the office he um, wants revenge yeah, yeah he wants revenge wants to get it back um, but the Greek conspirators have uh, decided to skip town yeah they've done they've done their clean up job yeah very effectively I'm very impressive how quickly and efficiently they just kind of dismantled everything and just walked away and this shows you what a cool character the Greek is in particular yeah. like he was he was he knew it was the smart and right thing to to do and and even we saw a little flash of a flash of sort of uh, dissent from Spiros in the previous episode when he's like you're gonna leave all that those drugs on yeah. the container aren't you and yeah and he was like like that's a hard thing to walk away from I guess as a businessman that just, much gajillions of pounds worth dollars worth yeah. of money yeah but you know he's in it for the long term and he's like yeah. so good at staying in the background and undercover he's not even Greek <laughs> <laughs> They don't know my name, I'm but we get we so we see them at the airport. They're, um, they're they're fleeing the country to God knows where. But we get this great little moment, which is the the epigraph of the episode. Yeah, um, is it business or pleasure, business, always business. <laughs> <laughs> so so perfect. <laughs> so, I mean, the writing in this show is so smart. Yeah, there's a great line where. Spiros, you know, he's talking about having to get his new identity or something like that for getting out of Baltimore. And he says, well, my name is not my name. This is the voice of Kelly from the Rewired podcast. And so I think that speaks a little bit to the Greeks are kind of this malleable or somewhat shape-shifting evil, if you will, or villain. Even, uh, you know, Top Dog, who's just known as the Greek, we don't even have a name for that. And I think the the Greeks really are just more kind of symbolic than than anything. Like they don't um, 
we don't see them that much later later in the series. And so I think they're almost like placeholder villains to to represent just kind of amorphous bad forces. They also the the characters themselves are are a bit um juxtaposed. So the Greek versus Spiros. Here's Bailey also from the Rewired podcast. We do sort of see a tenderness to Spiros, particularly around Nick. And it's in this tenderness around Nick that he, you know, searches for another way to keep Frank contained as a witness, right? And 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 so he makes these promises to Nick under the, you know, hope that then that will keep Frank silent. But then, of course, because of the leak and everything, uh, the Greek even says to him, your way won't work. And I think it's another question of the, the easy way versus the hard way, right? And, and, uh, and I mean, I hated the Greek once it happened to Frank. Happened to <laughs> I, Frank. I hated him. I was so sad. But I also like... That's another interesting juxtaposition too. Is he's just sort of this quiet, no pro, no profile old man. Really, you would never suspect him of doing anything. But he is one of the most vicious characters that we see. The Greek is really comparable to Brother Muzone in that they have this very sort of deceiving appearance of looking completely mild mannered uh, and benign. And it's like Bailey just mentioned, where Brother Muzone can sit on the park bench and wield ultimate control. The Greek can sit in the cafe and read the newspaper and wield ultimate control over that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you know speaks to the power that they have built up to the point where they don't need to um, reflect any kind of uh, threat in their outward appearance. They've already attained that at a more... Uh, intrinsic level. Business or pleasure for you? Business. Always business. So the last episode always ties up the loose ends um, of the previous season, of the of the current season, and also kind of leans into what's going to happen next season. Not going to give too much away, but you have Stringer Bell visiting Brother Muzone, who has been taken into hospital after Omar shot him. And Stringer's trying to go, hey, we're good, right? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you okay? <laughs> oh my god, they, they you got attacked. Oh no. But uh, Stringer makes a big mistake here, doesn't he? What's his mistake? So, well, I don't remember the exact line that Brother Mazon says, but he says uh they, you know, they didn't finish me or something and Stringer Bell goes, "They?" <laughs> <laughs> As in, and it was a big slip up by Stringer. Basically, he tipped off that he knew it was one person who yeah. was sent to do the job. Sure. Um, which, and I think Muzon spots it and then realizes that Stringer knows more than he's letting yeah. on. This is one of the tying ups. Uh, we see Bubbles and Johnny Weeks doing a bit of a hatchet job. They're not, they're not, they're not as sharp as they were in season one with their, with their antics and no. stealing, were they? No, we got two, we got two um, heists from Bubbles and Johnny yeah. Weeks in this season. One was just a dash and grab of a load of <laughs> CD players uh, in their coats. And then and then we got this basically. Uh, oh, there's some, there's a there's an ambulance, ambulance full there. Of morphine. Yeah, yeah you Here just look go. out, Johnny. What happened to all the Roadrunner antics we used to get from Bob? Well, this in is it. I think one. They just maybe they just run out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, they're phoning it in. Uh, and they get caught by Sant'Angelo, Sunny. Yeah, nice little cameo yeah, here from again, him. Uh, again, like I said, tying up all the loose ends is is really cool. Um, and of course, they get they get brought in. Bubbles and Johnny Weeks uh, get interrogated and Bubbles is just trying to get out of being 
put back into jail again and he's just like fly, lets him fly what about this what about that what about this and then <laughs> suddenly gets to something that interests Kima and McNulty in that he saw Brother Muzone shoot cheese yeah um, and then gives some more information about that um, and then gives that, and that leads to more like oh shit there's stuff still happening at the towers there's still like life in in that area of Baltimore which we thought would kind of move to the docks because see, that's what season two is focused on <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it was, it's interesting you say that because uh, this, you know, a lot of people who are detractors of season two mm. complain because it moved, it made that shift. Yep. But really, when you look at it, we never really left the street. No, we've, we we've talked about it in almost every episode. We have, yeah. And everything that happens is in the background, to be fair. I yep. think this is the docks uh, and the Greek season. It's in the background, but it's all set up. Yeah. You know, and, and here, like you said, this is... R- tying right into season three. three, you know, without giving too much away, I think it's quite abundantly clear by the end of this episode when uh, McNulty has a photograph in his hand where season three is going, right? <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is the setup. This is the connecting tissue that gets us to season three. Yeah. And I think smart move that they put all this in the background of a different season, so you don't have to waste time setting it up. For the get next to season. meat of the stuff in the next season. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely think this is genius. And I've said this before. First time watching season two, wasn't impressed. On rewatch, I'm like, shit, man. I, I see what you did there and I, and I love it. Yes, because exactly. Because we couldn't see the dots no. being connected no. the first time around. And it's only in retrospect. You're like, oh my God, it really was a like, giant tapestry he was building. And I think for the people who still say they hate season two, I think they've maybe only watched it once. Yeah. All the way through, um, and still, yeah, get that kind of like, you know, but we didn't spend time with Stringer, kind of thing. Um, but I think on the rewatch, when you anticipate and you see what's going to happen, it's it's so so exciting. I didn't like season two at all uh, when I when I first started watching it after we had finished filming the show. Um, in fact, what I would do was in a lot of the scenes. Um, I would fast forward past the doc stuff and go straight to to Avon's, you know, imprisonment and, and going back to, to, to the towers and the low rises. This is Damon Gordon. He was a production assistant on season two of The Wire. I just wasn't interested in the in, in the docs. I didn't understand that story. I didn't grow up in that world. So it was hard for me to relate to that. And it wasn't until I'd seen the other seasons and the, and the series is over and um, you know, I, I, I began to go back to season two just to look at it again and give it some fresh eyes. And I could kind of see having a complete story on why that story was important, why that aspect was important. And I, and I saw what David was, was trying to do and what he, what he actually accomplished. The wire is one of the few, uh, pieces of story, visual storytelling that exist, in my opinion, that actually do does merit multiple trips through. This is Chris Bauer, best known to you guys as Frank Sabotka. It's that dense and and it's it's that deliberate. You know, I mean, they built the show like a house. You know, all five seasons, every brick, every piece of floor, every piece of frame is deliberately assembled to create this panorama, thematic panorama that um, integrates into one point of view. And 
um, multiple viewings only deepens that. Like you say, it's like you, you know, cause, because you're also bringing a different kind of attention to it. And I just think it's, I'm so grateful to have been a part of something that was realized with the, that kind of inspiration and patience. I, I think, you know, to ask an audience their time is like an unbelievably sacred transaction. We uh, And we get, um, you know, in more sort of loose ends being tied up, we get... Omar talking to Butchie, uh, who basically confirms to him what he kind of already suspected that that no, that's not Brother Mazon's style. He didn't do that to Brandon. No, um, which means that basically Omar explicitly says he's coming for Stringer Bell, right? In in no Fantastic. no fine words. How you gonna get at him? Yeah, I don't even know Butch. Take some time and think on it. One thing for sure, though, the man got to be got. You feel me? And then, and then, Butchie, blind Butchie, says a line which is something along the lines of "I see too much," <laughs> which I thought was a bit, was a bit much. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we get it, but we get, it. yeah, he's blind and he sees too much. It's like, okay. Um, and we do, and another allusion to season three is how uh, the last time we see Stringer and Avon together is in prison. Stringer kind of plays his angle right with the business and says, oh, dude, we've still got the shit. We've still got, we're still selling crap. We need to tie it with Prop Joe. Um, and in the, lo- in the light of Brother Mizone going down, he's like, yeah, we need to, at least for the moment, we'll work with Prop Joe and we'll get some good products out there. And great. Yeah, kudos. But he's been really forced into this situation. Yeah, really. he's not, I mean, he's he not was, happy about it. wasn't happy about it. And they haven't... Avon's not been happy with really how Stringer's been running the show this no. whole time. And Stringer's been keeping secrets from him. He tried to kill Brother Mazone. And do you think Avon sort of suspects that at this stage? I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. And, you know, one big secret, obviously, is that, you know, Stringer killed uh, D'Angelo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that giant... That, that, that giant elephant in the room. Yeah, I, for, I forgot about that one. Um... So, yes, I mean, clearly, as we've said before, the divide uh, is growing here. And I think, interestingly, even in this scene, you know, there's th- there, there's a giant barrier between them, a yeah. physical barrier. Um, but by the end, you know, by where we leave them in this season is, I thought, really, really, this is a good scene. Um, String puts his, his fist to the glass, as in, like, <laughs> Touch. like solidarity, Respect, yeah. yeah. And there's a really long pause before Avon reciprocates, mm. which I thought was interesting. Yeah. It says a lot. You've got to read into all these, all these things because that's how, how the show's been put together. It's a Sabotka detail. Yeah, so in our last storyline, let's wrap things up mm-hmm. with the Sabotka detail. And I guess sort of the meat of what, of what the police's case is kind of happened in the last one. Yeah. So we're just seeing the aftermath of everything in, in, from episode 11. Um, but we see a lot, yeah, even more loose ends here. We get a little moment with Daniels meeting Valchek to try and get the charges lifted against Prez for yeah, hitting Prez him back. in the face. Yeah, uh, which is a really good thing of Daniels to do, right? Again, Daniels is 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 is, is the boss um, in more ways than one, and you know, <laughs> I can and he's explaining. I can get my guys to lie, but you know, the FBI they ain't gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, they saw you call him a shitbird, so not much I can do. You. This is uh, this is a great scene though because we because um, that's Daniels being master manipulator mm. right we like we've it's him playing politics he's really good at it yes like he basically convinces Valchek 
that it's kind of he's getting a good deal. Yes, yeah, in his best interest. In way, yeah, yeah. He's like, <laughs> I'm trying to help you out here, Stan, but uh, you know, my hands are tied. Yeah. And then Valchek kind of comes up with this solution that he thinks is his own. Like, and Daniels, there's a great moment that Lance Reddick does where he just kind of. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Valchek is behind him and he just has this moment of, yeah, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> in the previous episode, they caught Serge on the wire um, saying, has he got hands? Does he have a face? No, then he wasn't us. And then they used that little slither of evidence to put a call out for any corpses that were found with that hand in the face. Um, and they find one which ties up with our, our man who's killed in episode two, Sam. Yeah. Um, because he's got the same tattoos. Um, which is again decent, decent police work. Fine police work. Yeah, magnificent. So Freeman reaches out to get the pictures of the headless corpses um, and handless corpses, and then goes to pick them up in the in the southeastern in the in the district headquarters. Um, and whilst he's waiting there, Nick Sabotka, who has been uh, he's on warrant with um, you know, all the all the all the busts, walks in there and says, "Hey, I want, I'm here to hand myself in. My name's Nick Sabotka." Bing, light bulb, <laughs> like Freeman's head. Oh, you're Nick Sabotka. But me, at the same time as this, you've got Herc and Carver. They are on stakeout for, for Nick Sabotka. And they're getting more and more pissed off. Where's this, this shit going to turn up? Yeah, it is. It? It's yeah. brilliant. And again, every time these guys are together, it's, it's just a, I've just got a massive smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on in this episode, they still don't know. They've kind of been forgotten about. We talked in the previous episode about how in the biggest scope of things where Landsman forgets to say that Gleekus has been shot and, and Ziggy Spotka was to do it. And this is across, this is across different departments. <laughs> yeah. <They've, laughs> so Daniels forgot to say, oh, by the way, we've got Nick Spotka, you guys can come in now. And <laughs> rightly so. They are, first of all, they didn't know this, so there's charged down the door to uh, Louis Spotka's house, um, which is pretty dark, but you know, those guys love it anyway, so I don't think they were too put out by, by doing that. But then they come in um, and then they're like, well, you just treat this like like a bunch of twats aren't you basically yeah. Carver in particular is yeah. very unhappy he's like I'm, I'm a sergeant like, yeah. I shouldn't shouldn't be treated like this and again this is like table setting for season 3 again but they've made it they could have just had this as a little incidental detail mm. but they wrung out this brilliant little comedy sketch out of the whole thing <laughs> so it's like so good Okay, this is the part of the show where we normally put in our burner messages from you guys, but we're not doing that this week because we are announcing the winner of our Season 2 competition. So at the beginning of the season, we told you that one burner message would win a signed copy of Jonathan Abrams' All the Pieces Matter, signed not by Jonathan Abrams, but by Clark Peters, Mr. Lester Freeman himself. And the winner of that book, Kobe, if you would please announce... Hold on, let me Wait, just uh, get the envelope open, um, making sure <laughs> it's the right envelope with the with the right nomination. Um, and the winner is that will never grow old. That will never grow old. Um, the winner is no. Eva Davenport for her amazing uh, story about how the Polish Church um, works and how there is there are just people in the Polish community who are not to each other. Uh, Eva Davenport, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> she put it a lot better than you. <laughs> she did. That's why. That's why she's winning a book. I, I, I don't even have a copy of you know a signed all the pieces matter book signed by Clark Peters. This the version we have is going to Eva uh, because she's better than us. 
guess. Oh, well, now you're making, now you're making her feel bad. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no ever. Poor Kobe. Will someone donate a copy? Clark, Peter, Clark, if you're listening, will you sign sign a copy of this sent to Kobe, please? <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks so much for your, for your time, ever. If you want to get in contact with us via um, our email, burn at com, or send us a message on Twitter, or send us a quick message on WhatsApp via the the burner number which you already have because you know because you sent us a burner message and we'll get the book sent over to you ASAP um, so that's and no th- burner for this week I guess no but thank you to everyone who submitted burner messages throughout the season really yeah. appreciate it there have been um, so many we- that we haven't had time to play um, so we may play them at some point in some kind of montage but we don't know yet we are coming back for season three and we yep. are collecting um, burner messages for that so yep. uh, if you've got any thoughts on season three generally um please do get in touch uh it's plus four four seven five three four eight three one six five eight or head to our social channels you'll get the number there yeah that's right and also if it's easy for you which is for most people (laughs) use your favorite voice memo app record yourself talking about season three of the wire and send us that file to burner at thewirestript.com agent kutris yeah, so Fitz, uh, Agent Fitz, has this sort of uh, another light bulb moment mm. when he realizes that, uh, hang on, <laughs> that FBI agent I was talking to. Yeah, things started to go wrong when I called him in. Yeah. Yeah. And then turns out he's been moved to counterterrorism more than a year ago. Yeah. And he starts to connect some dots in his head. Yeah. Uh, which he later reveals to, to McNulty Daniels. in the pub. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, it's basically, I think, nothing really comes of this. I think it's just, it's really just a line that basically, uh, he kind of implies that the Greek was, uh, might have been like a counterterrorism witness or something or or an asset. That's kind of what he implied, I thought, which was interesting because I had assumed that Agent Kutris was just on the Greek's payroll. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't fully understand that. But it's, you know, um, fits got it together because what would ha- what happened preceding to that uh, prior to that was that Nick was going to give Fess up everything in the same way Frank was and so, so he's like maybe I won't fax this yeah, important exactly. bit of paper <laughs> off <laughs> yeah um, so he you know he, he realised just in time that he had Nick has gave up the Greek so now they finally know what the Greek is who the Greek is what he looks like at least that's a great moment yeah. isn't it where Nick fingers him in the in, in, the, the, in, the, photo. in the photo I don't know who that guy in the suit is but wait a minute. <laughs> that guy's... He's the Greek. Such a satisfying moment. It was, yeah. Yeah. Because also, because we've been looking at that photo as the audience for like two episodes now. <laughs> and we're just like, he's right there! Like a panto. He's <laughs> behind you. Still with the kind of... With the police side of things. Tying up loose ends. We see Beatty and uh, Bunk actually see you know, Sam's murder. They see him catching... They see them uh, catching Sam... Um, and it's just slam dunk evidence, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's just like you see Sergi's face. You know, he's he's hung on a quarter at this point. And this this is another moment of brilliant black humor from the police, where Bunks just basically like, "Come on, have a camera in the warehouse!" <laughs> like they're all so excited to see this man be brutally murdered. And then the sort of last uh, the last bit we get from the police is this nice nice little moment I thought from from Valchek at the end of the episode where. Uh, he gets uh, gets another letter in the mail, another picture of his surveillance van, yeah. and uh, and he he says something in Polish, yeah. 
which I turned on the subtitles on my Blu-ray and didn't translate it. <laughs> uh, so I've did, I did a little bit of digging online and apparently, by all accounts, it means um, R.I.P. or rest, rest in rest, peace, Frank, yeah. is what he said. Which I thought was a lovely little way to tie this all off. Because he was... You need an adversary sometimes, don't you? You need someone to yeah. rally against. You know he doesn't care about the police work and then when Frank dies and he gets that last photo. This is podcaster Andrew Johnston. He says in Polish, basically like, rest in peace. Like, he's almost, like, sad that Frank has passed. Even though you're like, you're the one that got him killed with your nonsense at the beginning of the season. Oh, Falcha. God, I love season two so much. <laughs> I, like, I, like, I, I did like that Valcek didn't revel in Frank's death. Mm. I thought that was... Yeah, um, it wasn't dancing on his grave, yeah. No, there's, I mean, he's, he's an awful man, but uh, there's, you know, there's some good in him. And the closing montage, lots of cool things happen here. I, like, I do love the closing montages here. Um, and one thing is, we see, which saddens me... Um, is that we see Beady going back to the Port Authority. She doesn't yeah. stay around in the detail. Give her a job. Yeah. I guess it's just not that easy. I guess they can't just like, like we've seen her in action and she was, but, and she was on loan. Um, but I guess you do, you, she's still like on the payroll of the Port Police. It's not, there's a lot of like red tape to go through there, I guess. Well, I think this is partly, maybe it's in her, just the way she is with life at the moment as well. Because she's, she's got the kids to look after. Yeah. This is a fun case, but maybe took it out of her. Um, we don't know how much of it was her choice, but it's, uh, unfortunately, she doesn't stay with the guys, and I, I, I think she's a loss to to the detail. I mean, Amy's a native New Yorker. This is the voice of Alexa Fogel, who is the casting director on The Wire. She went to uh, high school of performing arts, and she's a theater actress and someone I had known for many years. And um, I think at that point, her star was very much on the rise. But you know, like all good actors who are devoted to trying to find roles where they can really grow. She was completely on board. She's a wonderful actress and a wonderful person. And yeah, this, I mean, the closing montage kind of wrap, wraps everyone, wraps everyone up kind of neatly. I, I do like that the wire has this, you know, it's got a, ver- it's got a template almost, mm. doesn't it? That they've you know, refined in this season. You and know, then yeah. The season, each season is going to end up with knowing where people are. Yeah, you get, you get this lovely little... And again, it's one of the rare moments of sort of The Wire having a soundtrack. Yeah, um, and also almost like conventional TV as well. I sort of look at season two as the uh, Macbeth of The Wire. Other seasons might be the measure for measure. Others might be the King Lear. In as much as, you know, this canon of sort of classically rendered storytelling that invokes the deepest themes season two is the easiest one to follow (laughs) much like Macbeth. (laughs) season two is one of my favorites if not my favorite i think that what's significant about season two is that it establishes that the conflict in the show and the conflict in urban america is not a bilateral one. There is this idea that that is established in season one, which is the bad guys aren't necessarily bad guys and the good guys aren't necessarily good guys, right? It's a, 
they used season one to break out of the tropes of cop shows. Yeah, I love the second one the first time. And I'm one of those people that constantly goes on about how massively unfair it is that people say it's not as good as the other ones, because I think it is. To me, it's like, um, it reminds me of two other things that I really love in life. One, it reminds me of a Bruce Springsteen song. It's about men who just get up and go to work, and yet their lives still end up being shit, even though they, you know, they try really hard. And also it reminds me of a Western, because, which I also love, because it's got the sort of Frank Zabotka story is... Is a, is a small morality play about, you know, and they say it in it, you know, don't they? He has that brilliant conversation with Beady at the end about whether or not it's better to do the right things for the wrong reasons or the wrong things for the right reasons. I just want to say that the show was classy and it started with David and the people he hired to be directors and stuff and whole crews is lovely when that happens. Then it becomes, you know, out of the books of Stanislavski and stuff. You know, it really is, you, you, you get in the neighborhood of art and you just say, this doesn't happen a lot, you know. I think season two has been dumped on, typically. I think it's because we take, a, we take kind of a step away from the drug game. What's happening on the streets is so critical that it seems so strange to people that we're going one level above the street we're going to the supply chain not to the corner boys but that to me was really fascinating stuff it's completely irrelevant that it hurts my feelings that people don't like season two because you know season two is has nothing to do with my feelings it stands on its own and i just don't i honestly don't think the wire is the kind of show where you're supposed to really have favorites it's it's like an experience so that's it guys unfortunately we've come not only to the end of this episode but to the end of the season which has been fantastic so we will be taking a break because we need to regroup and we need to record interviews and we need to re-watch we need to re-watch season three as well we've got a few things to do but we've already got some amazing guests lined up and it's actually crazy so we Please stick with us, guys. The break will be as short as possible, but um, we will be back. We will be back. Dave, we'll, we'll be back, won't we? <laughs> yeah, we will be back. You're turning to Arnold Schwarzenegger there. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely coming back, and we are very excited to announce some of the interviews we've got, so, so it's going to be a really good season. Um, in the meantime... What you could do is, we, well, we, first of all, we are going to drop some some little bonus episodes mm-hmm. um, between between now and season three. Um, but if you if you need your your Kobe fix, uh, where you where can people find you, Kobe? We well, I my other podcast is Flix Watcher, where we talk about films on Netflix and we disseminate them. And there's an episode with Dave and Kathy from Where Can We Find You, Dave? <laughs> nice segue. Yeah, I have another podcast with my wife called The Cinemile, uh, where we record our walks home from the movie. So uh, please check that out. It's at The Cinemile on Twitter or search uh, The Cinemile. Yeah, and also not to forget uh, the Shite Guys podcast, which you do with with Joe Kylie, who's been a big feature of um, the past two seasons on, on The Wire Stripped as well. And Joe is smarter than than both of us. So yeah, if you want that that sort of brilliant insight uh, on all things pop culture, head over to Shite Geist. It's at Shite Geist Pod 
on Twitter or search Shitegeist uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Um, guys, we also are hoping to and have got motions, things in motion for uh, a few live shows next year. Um, so please do keep in touch with our social channels because it's really important. We will announce everything there first. And if we get our act together, we'll get a mailing list out and set up so you can you can hear everything as we, as we find out. So going to do some live shows. We're going to be back. There's going to be bonus episodes. So do stick with us we're not going away for long it's exciting we've got so much more of the wire to do so yeah. bear with us be patient Tip um, so I don't think there's anything left to say except big big thank you to every single person who took the time to talk to us mm. uh, throughout this whole season so yeah. many of the cast and crew so many so many amazing fans um, journalists etc so we really really do appreciate it yeah um, and we needed the help to transcribe all the interviews and we got it from the guys at Sonics S-O-N-I-X um, if you want to get 100 free minutes of transcription time with their super amazing app uh, go to sonics.ai forward slash invite forward slash stripped and thank you to Chris Sutera and Izzy Lawrence who do all our lovely graphics yeah uh, Simon Martin for the tunes for season 1 and season 2 for their version of Way Down in the Hole and of course, we couldn't do any of this show without uh, our brilliant producer, Tom Wally, who puts all this together and makes it sound as awesome as it does. So thank you, Tom. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Uh, and thank you for checking all the facts, which Dave and I neglected to do so before uh, pressing record. <laughs> <Yeah. those days. laughs> um, and just to, just to sign off, guys, uh, please do stay in touch with us with uh, on our social media platform we are at the wire stripped on twitter facebook and instagram and messages burner at the and our website is the basically if you type in the wire stripped go to anywhere that google sends you to and it'll be us so you know keep it everywhere got no excuses except everywhere and if you liked if you liked season two and if you like what we do here, uh, we really would appreciate you leaving us uh, a quick review. Either either write us uh, something very quick or just just uh, tap those lovely five stars at tap those five uh, stars. Apple Podcasts. Yeah, um, and subscribe to us if you want. If you uh, you want the best the best way to find out when we're back and to get these bonus episodes, make sure you're subscribed. Yeah, um, I think that's that's half for now. We've been renewed. Um, Long story short. <laughs> yeah. TLDR. We're coming back. Yeah. We'll see you all for season three. See you later. Bye. Bye. He got the fire and the fury at his command. Well, you don't have to worry when you hold on to Jesus' hand. We'll all be safe from Satan. When the thunder rolls, you gotta keep the devil wet down in the hole. Jesus, mighty soul, 
may shield you with thy wings and keep you close to the Lord. Don't pay heed to temptation, for his hands are so cold. Yeah. Gotta help me keep the devil way down in the hole.